You sound confident. <laughs> Hello, grace and peace. We're taking Anarchy to Church here on the Anarchist Bible Study. I'm Josh, a.k.a. Iowa Cap, a.k.a. Terrible at Starting a Podcast. <laughs> and I'm Jeff Park, a.k.a. The Burley Busker. The bar- say that again? The Barley Busker. The Barley, the barley Busker. Bu- the Barley Busker. I love busker. It's such a such a great word. Uh, it is. It just means the guy that annoys you to try and take your money, but it's a great word. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're I thought, back. I thought barley barker, but I thought based on the uh, uh, based on the point five that people haven't seen yet, unless they're Patrick. Um, it's true. That, that that might get confusing because of the barking in that one. So yeah, so you I know. Just, I thought, yeah, don't chase the barkers. But, Busker made more sense than Barker in this case. <laughs> oh, but we're back at the we're back in the book of Revelation. You can try, you know, you know what? Try and keep us out for you. You know, we won't stay out for long. We'll eventually get back. You know, we are gonna <laughs> we're gonna rush back into the the book of Revelation in just five to six short months. So then <laughs> we're gonna get back at it. Um, Hey guys, if you heard about your podcast, you should really check it out. That's what Patrick says in the chat. I it's it's a good one. Uh, yeah. Or or well, maybe you shouldn't. Okay. <laughs> oh boy. Anyway, um, we are looking they, at the Book of Revelation. They said it couldn't be done, and 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 they they have been more proven right than wrong. Uh, <laughs> but but here we are. Again. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, the book, uh, the Bible, wait, the Bible is revelation. In it? Yeah. Um, uh, we never pluralize it though, because we're, we're not, um, sociopaths. So we are, um, going to get into, uh, back into it. The book of revelation. Um, let's see. So we're, we're going to take a run at it from chapter six as is our, normal habit um and then we're going to uh i'm gonna read it jeff is going to pray it and then we're going to um milk it for podcast content so here we go revelation six and uh just in case you're wondering five and six is what we're going to be focusing on um but we're going to read the whole chapter now chapter six Now I watched when the lamb opened one of the seven seals and I heard one of the four living creatures say with a voice like thunder, come. And I looked and behold, a white horse and his rider had a bow and a crown was given to him and he came out conquering and to conquer. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, come. And out came another horse, bright red. This rider was permitted to take peace from the earth so that people could slay one should slay one another. And he was given a great sword. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, come. And I looked and behold, a black horse and its rider had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard what seemed to be a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying a quart of wheat for denarius and three quarts of barley for denarius and do not harm the oil and wine. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come! And I looked and behold a pale horse, and its rider's name was Death. And Hades followed him. And they were given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword and with famine and with pestilence and by wild beasts of the earth. And he opened the fifth seal. I saw under the altar, or when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then they were given, each given a a white robe and told to wait or told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete, who were to be killed as they themselves had been. When he opened the sixth seal, I looked and behold, there was a great earthquake and the sun became black and as sackcloth. The full moon became like red and the stars of the sky fell to earth as the fig tree sheds its winter fruit when, the sh- when shaken by a gale. The sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up and every mountain and island was removed from its place. 
Then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of their wrath has come. And who can stand? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And he hears, hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Brother Jeff, would you pray for us? Lord, open up our hearts to hear from your word and, and help us to, in so hearing, draw nearer and not further from you, to not uh, be frightened away at the prospect of your judgment, but to be welcomed by the prospect of your victory. Um, we pray, Lord, that you would uh, help us to submit ourselves ever more uh, to this book, uh, to uh, be never attempting uh, to master it, uh, but being ever more attempting to be mastered by it. Uh, and we uh, pray that anything that uh, Josh or I say that is incorrect or incomplete, that you would let it fall away, but that anything that is uh, good and helpful to our hearers and would uh, promote uh, their pursuit of righteousness and peace with you, that that would root in and grow and and uh, and be nourished by your spirit. And we pray all these things in the mighty name of your son, Jesus, through your glory and for our benefit. Amen. Amen. All right. Um, sorry, let's pull the pull both of us into this. So um, we are looking at uh, these verses of uh, chapter 6 and um, we, we like taking it from the Greek um, because um, it is the original language and um, of course that is the what is to be appealed to as the confession say, says in all matters of controversy to the originals. And so um, let's take a look at, we're looking at verses 5 and 6. Uh, once again, I'm going to just very, kind of read through it. We're going to try and go through it a little bit, phrase by phrase. And then um, here's, the, here's what I thought about, the, the way we're going to go through it. I'm, I'm, I'm in some ways going back to our old way of doing a production meeting on the air. Bye, Patrick. Um, see ya. And he's oh, gonna, bye, Patrick. So he's going to watch the Bible study later at three times speed, like all, like is, uh, is uh, canonically expected. Um, but we're going to take it phrase by phrase, and then we're going to go back and we're going to kind of take the look. We're going to just look at what we're going to do this coma study method, right? Observation. We're going to talk about what we've seen so far, um, context, and then observation. And then we're going to dig into what is this fifth, uh, what does this third horse look like from each perspective? Um, you know, of course, futurist, going in the order of futurist, historicist, preterist, idealist. Um, yeah. So first of all, it says, and when, well, first of all, let, let's make, let's remind ourselves of what the first horse, the first horse, the white horse, um, represents, um, conquest represents the, uh, the, um, warfare, right? Like, like specifically war of conquest that, mm -hmm. um, um, the question, the con, the, the, the question is of course, um, is it a, uh, that we've we've talked about, you know, from the partial preterist perspective, which I take on myself, um, would be the the first Antichrist or the first the Roman Empire that conquered, um, that the marched across all of the known world and especially conquered the the land, not not the earth but the land, um, and um, that's what the really the first two horses represent, um, but either way. Um, from the idealist perspective, we agreed that this is kind of just the way of states, the way of nation states is that they, they conquer 
and then in the second horse they shed blood. They 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 take peace and they cause um, bloodshed. You know, right? Is that that a fair overview mm-hmm. of the first two horses? Um, and then we come to the third horse, and and now we're looking at what's commonly called the horse of famine. Um, so once again, it says, and uh, and when I heard. Or when, uh, well, no, when it was opened, the seal, the third. So this is continuing the theme. And when was opened, the seal, the number, I heard the third creature saying, and of course the creature is referring to the four living creatures that are around the throne. And here are the third living creature saying, come. Once again, we note that there is a, a, uh, a variant a common variant. In fact, the I believe the KJV takes the variant. Come and see. In which case, they're calling uh, John, the, the 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 revelation, the apostle, the revelator, um, as the song says, uh, calling him to come up and see. But that variant, as we believe to be incorrect, is just saying come, in which case the the angel or the the the, the seraphim is actually calling forth the rider. So calling but by the way, there there's a there's a I a little extra reason to believe that that variant is an original because you have a, a follow-up variant. Yes. Uh so I looked and saw. Yep. Or or uh, or I beheld and look and I looked, or uh, however you wanted to, yeah. however you wanted to translate that. Yeah. Um, you've got a, you've got a, but you've got a, a second variant. Yeah. Um, it, it that makes it a little stronger that the the um the first one is is not original because yeah uh, because then people. Then, then suddenly, when people start seeing that variant, they start expecting that there should have been another one. Yeah, <laughs> and 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 you start getting that. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking anyway. at yeah, I'm looking at UBS five, and I've got the 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 footnote actually pulled up. If you're watching on the video, um, it's you know, erku is the the word for come. Um, but um, you'll you'll notice there's there's a slash. It's it's got a B rating from from the UBS. The textual team that puts together the UBS five, um, they gave it a B rating, but then lo- which means not a hundred percent confident, but very confident. Um, and then, but below that, you see behind the slashes, this is the the next common variant, which would be Erku Kai Ide, which is come and behold. But then it says, and I saw, come and behold, and I saw. But then, yeah, as you say, then the next variant, there's another B rating that, that this rating is, is given a very confident, but not 100% confident. But the slash says there's an omitting there. So come and behold. And so some, uh, I think mostly the, the same variants. Oh, no, they're different variants, it looks like. Um, yeah. Yeah, sorry. I, I got that backwards. It's the deletion of yeah. So I looked, mm-hmm. and behold yeah. Uh, so, so, sorry, it's the so I looked before yeah. The and behold, the deletion is the variant, not the um, yes. Which in that case, yeah. which actually also makes sense for the other reason. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. But but. But it's it. But it. But the uh, the inclusion has extremely strong uh, manuscript support. Yes, especially for for Revelation. <laughs> this is extremely strong. So. Yes, 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 yes. Um, okay, so I come and I saw and I looked and behold a hippo of black melas. Uh, a a uh, or yeah, a horse black hippo. Remember hippopotamus is the horse of the river, Hippo of the Potamus. Um, that's for, for you, if you're wanting to remember the, what the word, that the word Hippo means horse. It's a, it's a river horse. Um, behold, I saw a black horse. And 
uh, the one sitting upon him having, uh, what, what does that say? It says, uh, having a scale, a zugon, or, or possibly a yoke, but that doesn't really make sense in context, but I believe that the word could mean zugon. Again, it's been a while since I've consulted my notes. I have to double check that real quick. Yeah, yoke, a balancing scale um, is the ideal. So, so a scale in his, in his hand. Um, and uh, Yeah, it's a rod with ropes on it. Yeah. Which in this context is probably a balancing scale. Yeah. So not have, a yoke. Yep. In his, in his right or in his hand. Um, and I heard as a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying um, a, what is it? A... A quart of wheat for a denarius. Uh, and see, these are, these are some words that I'm not very confident with. So that you'll notice that's why I'm having to go to my notes. And yeah. three quarts of barley for a denarius. Um, and the oil and the wine you shall not harm. Um, uh, so... What are we seeing here? What are we seeing in this in this section? What's what's going on? Well, a famine. <laughs> yes, yeah. These is, are outrageous. Uh, yeah. Well, or out of and, normal prices. Well, and one thing that I, I think people commentators just tend to skip over is just just think about um, can. Can you live on a quart of wheat a day? You cannot. Can you live on three quarts of barley a day and no other food? You cannot. So this is unsustainable. You would not be able to live under these, under these conditions for a long time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I a denarius, of course, is is as as famously a day's wage for a laborer. Um, yes, and and barely sustenance is what we're looking at here. A day's labor is barely a sustenance for the day. Like there's nothing left over. You can't save. You can't buy anything extra. You can't um, buy some extra food for a feast. Like you are barely sustaining yourself um let alone a family on, on a day's wage um and this is uh yeah so well and your we'll get to the oil and the wine in a second but you have nothing to cook it with yeah if you can't afford the oil and wine and you have nothing to drink but maybe well but well water basically yeah so you can drink well water and good luck um, because often in famines, your well water starts to yes. uh, grow things. Yeah. That, that was not an uncommon thing that would happen in a famine when, uh, when people cut down on the wine and everyone's accessing the water a lot more yeah. uh, is uh, the, the, the water would start to uh, grow viruses or, yeah. uh, and uh, uh, and so, and that's what people really mean when they they say that that it was a uh, more of a health decision to uh, uh, to drink uh, to drink more wine and not it, it, it be, it's overblown to say that there was like no clean water in uh, in antiquity. That's definitely not true. Right, but. Um, but you're, you're rolling the dice with the water in antiquity yeah. for sure. Yeah. And, and having, having wine in your diet, in your diet, you're going to avoid more illnesses that yeah. way. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I think you can say like, there is something of a question here though. There is an alternative. So, so the, 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 the theory we're putting forward is that the, the famine is caused by a la or it's a famine that's causing these prices. 
Um, an alternative yeah. theory was put forward that it's actually like government sale selling at an inflated rate, um, which is the kind of thing that happens in a famine. I mean, it's also <laughs> the kind of thing that causes famines. So, it's because, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, hello, Demore, <laughs> what? Um, you know, like, <laughs> you know, the, it's true, like government mismanagement, but also like, I think in some ways that fits with the first two, right? There's a lot of conquest, there's a lot of warfare, and then there's a lot of, um, you know, controlling of the resources and, and, uh, and inflated prices for those who are receiving it. Um, it's a possibility to keep in mind, but also we can say just what does war cause? War destroys crops. War destroys, war puts people to work in the battlefield that could have been to work in the agricultural field. So instead of raising crops, they are taking up weapons. They're beating their plowshares into swords. You know, like, like people forget about that. That verse comes first before the beat your swords into plowshares. Uh, the prophet Amos calls for, or not Amos. Yeah. Amos it calls for beating your, your swords into, or your plowshares into swords. And, and that, that comes first. And so whether it's from neglect or from destruction or from just the fact that, um, you know, inflation happens every time there's war, you know, inflating because you've got people getting paid for nothing, which means that goods are not being passed. And so the money doesn't go as far as it used to. Um, this is the kind of thing that happens. Um, but of course, like, uh, we want to get to the oil. I'm going to get to the oil in a second. Don't hurt. Don't harm the oil or the wine. Um, but first, I, I want to, to point out what Senpai Beal points out, which is that um, the voice comes from the midst of the four creatures. So who is yes. that? Who's that calling out this? Well, and it's... So it's coming... It's something like a voice from among the four living creatures. As right? a voice in the midst of the four living creatures. Yeah, I guess same. that might be a little over translated, but yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Uh, so, but that's that's where that's where people will sometimes say that this is the voice of Antichrist, um, uh, aping as if, and so so the Antichrist is exerting control over the governments of the world, and this is sure. a. A, a human caused famine sure uh, where where he's he's exerting this control over the governments of the world uh, and and that's why he can by fiat say um, that the uh, uh, wheat will cost this barley will cost this um, but oil and wine sure. uh, leave alone that's um, I don't buy that interpretation, but I just wanted to. Sure. <laughs> I just wanted to say that that is, that is an interpretation, and I, I my recollection is that's the interpretation I grew up with. Yeah. Um, but is that the with, interpretation you hold now? No, I don't. <laughs> um, yeah, I think so. I think this is the lamb, actually. Sure. Yeah. That I... that's my that's my assumption. Yes, that's. I mean, that's what I think too. Yeah. I don't think the Antichrist is ever said to be in the midst of the four that's my problem yeah. is, is even yeah. if even if the even if even if you sort of go with the stronger something like a voice from among the four living creatures yeah what yeah what makes that um you know if there was a if there if it was a voice coming from a alternate set of four living creatures okay that's antichrist yeah right like so that that's that's a pattern we get in this book is you have mock versions of what the lamb has yeah. and that's and that's antichrist but this i don't see it so yes so i wanted to i wanted to say that because that's a that's a fairly common interpretation here yeah um but uh but but yeah i don't buy it i think this is I think this is the lamb. Yeah, I, I yeah, and, and what does that mean? 
Like what, what does that signify? Uh, so that, that even, even a famine, uh, even an evil, even if it's immediately caused by, uh, human governments. Yeah. Uh, that ultimately Jesus has control exactly. over us and, and, yeah, and yeah. over the severity of the famine. So I read this as, um, I, I think, I, I think people misread oil and wine as being luxury goods. They were not. Yes. I've, yeah, I've already, right, right, right. I've already, I've already referred to, um, uh, that no, no, no. Oil is what you used to, cook yeah. things with wine is what you use to not get sick quite so often yeah like they're not luxury goods they pretty much are the staples um yeah, yeah. Oh. and and so so there it's not it's because people will read it as oh we'll we'll put our foot on the poor yeah um but the luxury goods will stay the same price but no these aren't luxury goods this sure. is what the poor yeah. would do as basic staples too. So what do you take that as meaning then? What, what does that? I, I think it's the severity of the famine. Um, all, olive oil, olive, olive trees and, and grapevines could survive, uh, a mild famine. Um, okay. uh, when, when wheat and barley would do pork oh, because okay. they're, because their roots, their roots are deeper and an olive, an olive tree takes what? What is it? Sixty years to give its first crop, or something like uh -huh. that, because its roots go so deep. Um, so it's on it's on a much longer cycle sure. than wheat and barley. Um, so it, it. it's a it's a it's a luxury good in the sense that if you have no olive trees, growing olive trees is growing olives is a luxury. But yeah. it's on this longer cycle to where you could have a you could have a famine, and if it wasn't too severe, your olive trees would survive and keep producing their same crop. Yeah. Um, vines, same. It's not not quite the same, but yeah, yeah, you could have hardier vines that would continue to produce a similar a similar crop in a mild famine, even when the 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 grain staples are doing poorly. So that's what I think is going on here. I sure. think it's just. I think it's uh, Jesus exercises authority even over the level of severity of the famine. Yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. That, that's my reading. Um. Yeah, that makes sense. Um. I I I I wasn't a hundred percent sure on that one, but that's good. Okay. Um. Uh. So so let's let's do let's let's do the thing. Um, let's start talking about what are our options for what this horse represents. So um, let's start with the futurist interpretation. Sure. Uh, what what is the what does the horse represent in the futurist interpretation? Um. I am well um it, I guess it's it's um it's the antichrist setting up control over life and death isn't that isn't that kind of the interpretation that black black is death yeah. and the antichrist is taking control over over life and death so that he that he's so that the the horse if, if I'm remembering correctly of our last set of episodes. <laughs> uh, the futurist interpretation is that the four horsemen are, um, the, the first horseman is the, is, is the antichrist and the other three are kind of like his courtiers, um, who, yes. Yeah. Who, who represent his increasing control over the kingdoms of the earth. Um, is, am I remembering that correctly? Yeah. Yeah, like uh, Greg would say that the most futurists understand the horsemen to represent famine conditions brought on by the warfare of the previous seal and during the future tribulation. I think if you're seeing a future tribulation in this, then yes, 
Like that's that's correct. Right. That that would be what that would be what we would expect to see follow from war. Um, although he says Henry Morris uh, takes a different course, sees the seal in reference to the power of commerce to generate pos- prosperity or calamity, inflation or depression, opulence or starvation. International capitalists will take advantage of the period of peace to gain full control of the oil, food, and money resources of the world. This is similar to the view of Ray Stedman. Um, and then gives a quote from him. Um, yeah, and so that that would be... Uh, I, I, um, this would go along with this idea that the oil and wine represent luxury items, right? You know, that this is... Um, luxury goods. Um, although Wolverd ag- agrees with you. Uh, by the way, I'm taken from heavily from Greg. This sounds really impressive, but Gr- Steve Greg, uh, in his um, uh, commentary and four views on the Re- Book of Revelation, has done all the work for me. I'm just cribbing his notes. Uh, Wolverd does not see the oil and wine as luxuries, pointing out that they were considered staples in ordinary household in biblical times. Um, and so there will be no money left to buy other things such as oil or wine, which were considered essential in biblical times to put it in ordinary right. language. The situation will be such that one would have to spend a day's wages for a loaf of bread with no money left to buy anything else. The symbolism therefore exactly. indicates a time of famine when life will be reduced to its barest necessities. Um, yeah, that's exactly how I read that. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Let's see. Also, while you're doing that, I'll just point out that that measuring out things by weight uh, is, in the rest of the scriptures, indicative of a famine. Yeah, uh, yeah. Is, that doesn't. That's not. That's not a common. So, so you'll notice that it's actually, um, there. You have. Uh, whatever the the normal unit of measure, the the, the court or the whatever, um, uh, you have the normal unit of 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 uh, of measurement by volume, um, but but there's the the indication of the measurement by weight, which is all through all through the Old Testament. Um, indicative of famine conditions is we're going to have to we're going to have to weigh out the food to to make sure that um uh make is rationing i guess is what what i'm saying that represents um uh or that yeah that merchants are having to be a lot more careful um in how much they give you uh a lot more precise in how much they give you and and so it, because of the because of the famine conditions, so so that's that's another sort of support for this being a, a famine, what, re, yeah. regardless the cause uh, that it's a yeah famine conditions. And and um by the way um and again another person uh uh Warren Wearsby um he says yes it's during the tribulation but this is the antichrist now controlling the food supply. So that's going back to the idea that it's it's not just, it could be interpreted as a famine in the sense of a tr- traditional sense, or a famine in the sense that it's controlled food supply. Um, yeah. So he's declaring what you're allowed to get um, and for how much, which... But then the voice needs to be the Antichrist. Which, which is that, again, uh, yes, I have, yes, I have a problem. The voice has to be, which is... <laughs> Yeah, we've already said we, we don't agree with that. Um, and then the, the historicist interpretation um, would be, um, again, historicists say that it's all kind of working out over the course of human history. Um, and uh, the, a lot of them will point out that, like, um, would say they would see the fiscal oppression imposed by some of the emperors of the third, sorry, of the third century. Taxes could be paid either in money or in produce, particularly in grain, oil, and wine. For the purpose of paying taxes, produce was given a value of monetary equivalence. This is possibly the meaning of the statement a quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius. 
Um, Elliot believes uh, that the phrase do not harm the oil and wine would be better translated. Be not unjust in the oil uh, in the wine. And, And to be clear, that is a possibility. Like if you look this word adikeos, um, you know, dikeo is the word the word for to do evil to. Like harm in the sense of harm, you know, is a bad thing. And so it can, it can sometimes be a, an equivalent to the word for evil. So a possibility. I'm I'm not I'm not saying it's a, it's a dumb I'm not, I'm not saying it's a it's a foolish, dumb, no possible way that could be what it means. Um, uh, Karkala uh, granted. Sorry, this is more of the historicist view. Karkala granted citizenship to all free men in the empire, but only so he could tax them more. That's an interesting historical detail that he freed the slaves so he could tax them because <laughs> you couldn't tax a person who's owned. Um, uh, given refers to the land tax, the cap capitation and the heavy contributions of corn, wine, oil, and wheat extracted from the provinces for the use of the court, the army, and the capital of this period. He also says the great body of Karkala's subjects were oppressed, oppressed by the aggrieved taxes. Aren't we all? And every part of the empire crushed under the weight of his iron scepter. Um, and then, you know, Barnes, yeah, you got more people pointing to basically just uh, that that is what's going on. Um, although he notes that, and we saw this in the last two horses as well, some historicists, namely uh, Clark and Matthew Henry, uh, go along with the preterists and identifying the seal with the food shortages and besieged Jerusalem in AD 70, which we're going to come back to. Um, but yeah, that would be the historicist view. Um Jeff, are you convinced? Uh, definitely not in this case. No, I, no. I, 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 as a lot of times the historicist view holds a little bit of uh, weight with me, but it's just, um, I don't think that this is a particular historical famine any more than it was a particular historical war. I, I, I think this is this is what the enemies of God do. <laughs> Generally, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I do, as you would expect, uh, find a particular famine. My problem again with historicist view is every step you get away from eighty seventy, it kind of doesn't like to pick one. How do you pick which one? Again, this is the problem we keep running into with historicist view: is how do we know which day we're in? You know, everyone okay, likes so to think you know they're in day seven or day three, day six. Or, you know, how do you, how, like the, the timetable keeps shifting the further out you get. And, you know. So I'm, get, I'm guessing you see this as being Claudius's famine. Uh, well, I would, I would, um, I would say that this is the famine shortages that we saw in, in AD 70. In 70? Yeah. Oh, in Jerusalem. Yeah, in the Jerusalem. In Jerusalem. I, I still think, so, so I'll, I'll go to okay. my notes. Um, you know, in, in the preterist view, the scales in the hand of the rider of the black horse seem to indicate that men must eat their bread by measure as God warned the Jews that they would have to do if they if they rebelled against him. So this would be the look to, um, I guess I should be pulling up verses here. Um, Bible Gateway, because that's my go-to quick yeah. scripture. But this, this is the same thing I was referring to, is that... Is that- Eating eating bread by measure is a yeah. is a way of saying famine. Um, Leviticus twenty six, twenty six. This is um from the lesser known or lesser read um curses list. Um, we usually read from the blessings and curses of Deuteronomy, um, but but in the uh, curses of Leviticus it says twenty six. When I break your supply of bread, ten women shall bake your bread in a single oven and shall dole out your bread again by weight. And you shall eat and not be satisfied. So that would be um, what was they were warned. The curse for their disobedience was this weighing out of their bread, like you say, um, a sign of famine in the land. Um, and then uh, this horse represents famine or shortage of food. The color black is also reminiscent of famine. 
Um, Lamentations 5.10. Our skin was black like an oven because of the terrible famine. The denarius was a day's wage for the average laborer in return for his work. He is able to get a mere quart of wheat or about a person's one person's daily ration. Thus a man would have to work a full day just to earn enough to fill his own belly to feed the family. He must earn turn to cheaper grain, which costs only one third as much. The Jews in Jerusalem suffered terrible food surge shortages during the Roman siege, though initially there was enough food stored up to last for a long time. The warring factions in the city sh out of sheer spite, regularly destroyed grain stores of the opposing factions. Like that's one of the things we've talked about, right? We're like so much of the work of the Roman in invaders in AD 70 was done by the people in the city. Eventually they just opened up the gates and walked right through because the Jews were so at each other's throats. Like this was, this is like, it's so interesting that like people are always pointing to like the tribulation, you know, brother will turn against brother. And, but that's what happened. In the AD mm -hmm. 70 tribulation. That is what we saw. All these factions that have been waging a cold war against each other, um, which, by the way, they set aside conveniently in order to crucify a certain individual. Uh, right. <laughs> they all suddenly found common cause back then. Um, but those, those co that cold war broke hot. In, in the, and then when they should have been holding together to, to repel the enemy... They started killing each other and burning each other's grain in, 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 uh, yeah. So thus the food became so scarce that Josephus records at least one case of a mother eating her infant, which sounds like, um, you know, a couple of instances from, uh, from biblical history. Um, I just actually just read second, uh, King six, which, which he cites, um, where where the the king of Israel is walking along the wall during the prophetship of uh, of Elisha, and and this this mom says, "I boiled up my child to eat," and this mother said she would boil her child tomorrow, but she won't give it. And like you know, she, the justice she wants is to to command this other woman to to kill her child so that they can um you know uh so they can they can kill their child, but of course an uh. The, the, that shows how terrible it had gotten. And so this is pointing to the, how bad the sh famine got is that they're reliving all these, these days of ancient Israel um, and their famine. Uh, another passage they bring up here is Deuteronomy 28, 53, and you shall eat the fruit of your womb. This is one of the blood. Again, the curses you shall eat the fruit of your womb, the flesh of your sons and your daughters, whom the Lord, your God has given you in the siege and, and in the distress in which your enemies shall distress you. So once again, this 8070 curse is what we expected to see from Deuteronomy. One of the curses of Deuteronomy. Um, and it was in reference to this time that Jesus had said, but woe to you, those who are nursing babies in those days. Um, from, Deuter from Luke 21, 20-30 and 23-29. Um, consider the many verbal parallels between the horseman's decrees and this description in Josephus. Many there were indeed who sold what they had for one quart. It was of wheat, if they were of richer sort, but of barley, if they were poorer. This is from the wars of, of Josephus. Mm. Um, and then the statement, do not harm the oil and the wine, could allude to the fact that some sacrilegious Jews pillaged the oil and wine from the temple. Josephus writes that John Gishala, the leader of one of the factions, confiscated the sacred vessels of the temple. Accordingly, this is a quote from the, his, his Jewish wars, accordingly drawing the sacred wine and oil which the priests kept for, for pouring on the burnt offerings and which was deposited in the inner temple, John distributed among them his adherents who consumed without horror more than a hen in anointing themselves and drinking. Um, and so I, I see amazing parallels with what actually happened. Like I'm, I'm, I'm fully convinced that this is a, a, this is a pair, uh, a prophecy of, again, a prophecy of the days of 8070, that this is what's going on is, is, um, 
in in the in the city outside the city there's the conquerors have come marching in the blood has been shed and now in in the siege in the city they've started the, the factions are destroying their goods and they are starving and eating their young and they're pillaging the temple um and so this is what i would say as, as a partial prayer is that this is another prediction of of the scriptures that comes to pass in that great siege um and so it's a sign to me that that that, that the bible expected this and that um and, and again, this is what I said. This, I actually had ended up having a conversation with a friend of mine recently, and I think it's well worth restating, is that even as I say that I believe that all of these have their primary reference in the AD 70, I, I am not opposed to in the same way that the first and second comings, which again, I call, I call the AD 70 a second, the second coming, as the first and second comings had some rhyme scheme between them that there will be a rhyme between the second coming and the final coming. So I'm not even denying the fact that there might be an intensification of tribulation in the last days where there is a, an, another intensification of famine. Much less am I disagreeing with the idealistic perspective to say that this is what happens in war, um, which I'm going to say right. is, I'm going to guess again, is your perspective on this? It is. Yes. <laughs> Um, and, and again, I, that's why I always say I, I take the primary partial preterist view partly sure. because I, I, I value the, the, the fulfilled prophecy aspect of it and the fact that it comes with this, this closing of the Jewish age, this, this hard and fast closing of the Jewish age, um, and moving into the Gentile age. Um, but the idealistic perspective is correct in, in this. Like, as I said last time we were in this passage, but since it was so long ago, it's worth restating. Um, my, as the futurist sees echoes of the Antichrist uh, throughout history or foreshadowings of the Antichrist, I see echoes of the Antichrist. You know, I believe, believing that Nero was the Antichrist, I see echoes of him throughout time. And so... I expect to see that anywhere there's war, anywhere there's bloodshed, and and it's true, is what we see every time. Famine follows. So so go ahead. Right. I'm, I'm I don't want to step on your toes anymore. Go ahead. Oh no no no. I, yeah no. You have correctly stated my position, and I incorrectly stated yours. So that was good. <laughs> uh, uh, I guess I I I I was seeing in my reading that a lot of people were were resorting to Claudius's famine. Yeah. in 62 um but uh but yeah okay i mean actually the famine in jerusalem while it was under siege um one and wasn't it wasn't it under siege uh by vespasian in 69 and then he had to go yes. become emperor with yeah. bigger army diplomacy and then uh yeah. and then titus comes back in 70 yeah. and so actually you've got a are particularly intense yeah. because they basically spent down their stores in the previous year. And again, so you've got to... kill, destroyed it just out of, right. out of spite, destroyed each other's right. grain. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. But okay. yeah, I, I would say again, I think that 62 um, pushes the dating of revelation farther back than we need to. I, I, I yeah. Well, to, if it's, if to it's an unacceptable if it's future, Early. If it's future yeah. to John's, if it's future to John's writing, yeah. um, then then that would be indefensibly oddly, early. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oddly early for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, way too early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, it would. It, I I don't think this makes any sense while uh, Peter and Paul are alive, right? For instance. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that's, um, so, uh, but yeah, okay. That, that, that makes, a um, that makes a lot of sense to me from, from that perspective. And yeah, I mean, we're not, we're not a million miles apart because I'm, I'm like, I, 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 I'm like, I, I would say the primary meaning is the idealistic, uh, idealist. Um, the idealist meaning 
but that it, if it if it had a particularly intense instantiation in 70 AD, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, and for me, that's whether the book is written before or after 70 AD. Either way, it makes sense. Uh, that if it's after, if the book is written after 70 AD, then these are recent historical events right. that that people would be familiar with to have a to have uh, to have a yeah. a uh, frame of reference for for what he's talking about. Sure, but yeah. he's but he's sort of universalizing them. Yeah. Um, if it's obviously if it's before, then he's predicting them. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, but yeah. So uh, so part of, part of this is our is our mild disagreement over date. Yeah. Um, uh, is is just I think it I think if if the date is in the 90s then it makes more sense for um for this is a the the for instance the famine in Jerusalem is a referent point to talk about the ideal <laughs> idealist repetition of mm -hmm. famine uh uh in in at famine being part of the outcome of opposing the lamb right um and so so anyway i yeah um that's uh that's kind of more my uh my take on it is that is that Yes, seventy AD always makes sense as a reference point, even if it's, even if it's written in the nineties. Respectively, yeah. It's it's still it's it's still like this is an earth shattering, apocalyptic, yeah. <laughs> thing that has happened yes. in the recent past of his yeah. recipients. That's where so. I think even the eighty ninetyists have to reckon with the fact that. I think we we all need to reckon with the fact that 8070 is a much bigger deal from a Christian perspective than we often make it. Yes. Like I, I think we that often reflect is. on it as a Jewish big deal yes. from a Jewish perspective, but it's a big deal from a Christian perspective. That that hard and fast closing of the the Jewish age that no more will there be a temple to worship at and to sacrifice at that um that that the time has passed, the glory cloud has left. It's, yeah, it's in a certain sense Jesus's full and final demonstration yeah. that he is superior. Uh, that that he has, um, that he has, that the ironic priesthood has passed away. Yeah, yeah, the things that are and soon passing away, right? <laughs> there is that it's, phrase of is, yeah, this, they're soon passing away very dramatically um, at this point. Yeah. 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 And that was written. I'm, I'm convinced Hebrews was written before. Yes. 70. yes, yes, yes. It has to be. It doesn't make sense. That doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't make, sense make sense if it's not before 870. Yeah. Um, totally. and, um, uh, and, and 70 is an, is an exclamation point on all the things that Jesus has already told his people. It's his full and final, in a in in a very real sense, it's his full and final demonstration to that generation that would not pass away before they saw the Son of Man come. It's it's that full and final demonstration uh, that these uh, that these things are fulfilled in Him, uh, and that 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 system uh, had passed away, uh, becoming being no longer relevant. Yeah. Um, and um, and that and that we are, in case you missed it, we are in the anno domini. We are we are we are firmly in the years of Christ's reign, uh, yeah. right? So that's um, and and the years of his priesthood. Um, that's uh, so. I think I think yeah. No matter no matter your perspective, I think I think you're right. We need to wrangle with that more. Uh, and and recognize recognize the the impact that that has in 
Jesus' own prophecy about himself. He's not, he doesn't prophesy that not a stone is going to be left upon a stone just to prove that he could. It's, right. it's part of his self-authentication, yes. that he is who he said he was, that he is the fulfillment of all these things. Yeah, correct. Um, yeah, so I mean, like, let's, okay, so let's, what are what are the lessons here? I think let's 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 collect some lessons here and say like, what are some takeaways? What do we know? Uh, let's let's be anarchists again and say what do we notice as anarchists or libertarians reading this passage? Um, just yeah, well yeah, um, that that even when famines should stop occurring naturally, governments have been known to cause them. Yeah, uh, I mean. In our day and age, we only ever have famines because of governments. Yeah. Um, and I think the big thing, and we've already kind of touched on it, is this the fact that it, it so often follows war. Yes. You know, and, and one of the things of libertarianism is to say, like, war is one of the particularly egregious things that governments do, is yes. committing these, these large-scale well, destructive acts known as war. We... We caused the famine in Yemen. I'll I'll say we, in this sense, not just slipping into identifying with the Americans. Canada and the United States teamed up yeah. to cause a famine in oh, yeah. uh, in Yemen. Yeah, there's. Um, I mean, the political and and social chaos is one thing, but it's it's so often like yeah we how many fields are destroyed by, by moving tanks and armies? How many, as I said, how many people are taken away from being productive members of society in order to engage in destruction? Like, you know, they, they engage in destruction. And of course they'll always do the bragging jobs program thing. Well, look, of course, now that we destroyed them, there's so much room for investment for rebuilding, but wouldn't it have been better if we didn't destroy it in the first place? So they can yeah. save their money and and, and produce and, and put it in something that's productive above and beyond what already exists. Like it diverts capital from from producing new things that would make that would actually make barley and grain cheaper. And instead, it it, it contributes to the lack of barley and grain that makes it more ex expensive. And then there's the fact that like wartime measures, a lot of times in wartime measures. That's an excuse that governments take to take more control over things. You know, of course, we talk a lot about how they they take control over civil liberties, it, but, but but you know, including how the economy works. Yeah. In fact, that was kind of the big. What did, what did they say? That was the big um, FDR's big his New Deal thing was. He's like, why can't we do this wartime economy during peacetime? And he found out why it doesn't work. <laughs> It's because everyone's willing to work for a cause bigger than themselves when they think that the cause is bigger than themselves. You can't make them do that when when we're just living. And and he caught he caused so much famine by trying to do warfare economy during peacetime. Uh, and yeah, it's 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 just again again and again like this. The governments exacerbate famines that already exist, and they um cause famine by their warfare um and, and not even like we don't even have to go in the direction of controlling the food supply how about controlling the money supply you know what are what what are you know what are we going through now we're, we're seeing our monetary supply being devalued to the point where we could find ourselves in like i'm man, okay let's get personal i was my family's growing Okay, like my family's, I've got a growing family. We're outgrowing my my six passenger minivan. We needed to find a a a, uh, a a fifteen or twelve passenger van, but man, those things were expensive. Like we couldn't be picky about what van we bought, because I mean we found a good one, um, but but we couldn't be picky because just no one's selling them for one thing because no one has bigger families, but also just cars are so expensive because the monetary supply is being run up like crazy. And so it's hard to get anything beyond the bare minimum now. And you want to blame Joe Biden. And I think you're right, but Donald Trump bears a lot of that blame too. 
as does sure. Barack Obama, as does George W. Bush, as does Bill Clinton. Probably more Bush and Obama, but you know, that's <laughs> that's that's this is what the the Federal Reserve has done to us is making it so that we can barely afford the basics. What's killing the middle class? China, right? Mexico, right? No, it's the U.S. <laughs> government. That's what's killing the middle class. Yeah. We're killing it ourselves. Uh, the 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 Chinese Communist Party is killing the middle class in China for sure, China, but yes. not not here. <laughs> yeah. our, our middle class, the death of the mar- of our middle class, is not because Mexico is sending laborers to take our jobs, or because China is taking our our production overseas. It's because our government. Inflating the monetary supply is making it a better deal to put goods on a giant boat and bring them here than to make them in the United States. It is a better deal to import it on a giant gas-guzzling boat than it is to actually make it in the in America. That is 100% the Federal Reserve and the federal government's fault. Also, minimum wage. You can blame that for it. Like this is this is what this is a famine caused by our government, and why is the federal why why was the Federal Reserve created to fund the wars? That's right. the connection. Right, right. So yes, conquest, empire, war, famine. Yeah, yep. they're the reason they go together. Yeah, this is like it's funny because I for for years before I I had a clear understanding of libertarian. Uh, a political philosophy I had trouble understanding the four horsemen hmm. like like as far as the connections go like we had to come up with fanciful connections or like you know maybe he does this and then he does this and then he does this but I, now understanding libertarian political philosophy and understand, seeing how, how especially anti-war theory works like I it, it makes all the sense in the world like what comes after war bloodshed Yep, lots of bloodshed. What comes after bloodshed? Famine, probably. Yep, that's what you see next. What's gonna come next? Well, we're, what's gonna what's gonna come next? The third, the the fourth horse, right? We're gonna see um, widespread, full scale death. Yeah. yeah. All comes together with bodies everywhere. Bodies from famine. Bodies from disease. Bodies from bloodshed, bodies from suicide and uh, mental health collapse of the soldiers coming home. Like this, this is all of it just comes at full scale death. And we'll be coming back to that, of course, next week. But let's not spoil uh, our fun too much. Um, for now, uh, I think it's good to, for us to say, you know, it's been a, it's been a long night for Jeff and I. Um, we, we put in the work for you guys. I hope you appreciate it. And when you see us starting to nod on camera, I hope you appreciate it because we are willing to, to suffer for you, for you, um, so that you can have the best libertarian based Bible study podcast on the planet. I feel confident about that because it's, we've carved a nice little niche for ourselves. <laughs> No one's even trying to compete with us. <laughs> um, that's right. We, if you we, can't, we have a monop- we have a monopoly. Yeah. Uh, if you not, can't be the best at what you do, if you can't be the best at what you do, then choose something to do that no one else wants to do. <laughs> yeah. didn't, didn't didn't even need the government to grant us a monopoly in this case. Uh, we just we, we just. <sighs> Carved it out naturally. <laughs> no Federal Reserve support needed. Um, <laughs> but, uh, of course, uh, hopefully you're enjoying this. And, and, of course, if you are listening to this or, uh, yeah, yeah, both listeners and viewers, you're still time to tune in to our live preambling Friday, May, fi- uh, May 5, Cinco de Mayo, um, for those who are culturally appropriators. We just call it uh, episode uh, preambling episode 5 on Oh five, oh five. So tune in at ten o'clock. We've got some friends who are going to be joining us for a live preambling. We're going to talk about Jeff's best AKAs uh, yeah. and a whole bunch of other things. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, this is 
this is 10 o'clock Iowa time. Yes. So, so if you live somewhere other than Iowa or the central time zones generally, um, then, then check your local listings, uh, for what time it is when it's 10 o'clock in Iowa. It was understood. Um, that the Iowa supremacist is putting it in Iowa supremacy time. Uh, yes, 10 o'clock Central, that's right. Um, and so tune in at that time, or just go wherever you are, whatever you're doing, go over to our to our uh, to our YouTube channel. And on our main home channel, I have pinned that uh, live preambling at the top. So you can find it there. Just go there, find out what time is coming out at your time. And then tune in when it comes out and join us in the chat. Join us in the comments. Uh, comment your favorite AKAs. Uh, talk about your favorite uh, preambling moments. Uh, whatever you want to talk about. Because we'll be talking about it so much more. Um, and of course, for this very episode you're listening to, make sure you like, subscribe, share, tell a friend, uh, tell a coworker. Tell a tell your favorite um, warmonger, um, you know, j- remembering that John McCain's already dead. Um, get Tel Aviv. What's that? Wait, no, that's Tel Aviv. <laughs> no, that's something. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, but <laughs> that um, uh, if you really appreciate what we do, of course, go to buymeacoffee.com slash flyover and support us for $1 a month and you can join us in the secret Discord channel where we talk about Bible stuff all the time, current event stuff all the time. Jeff just floods the chat with, uh, with, with, uh, education news. Oh, um, I, I didn't, th- these days I didn't know where you were going, whether Alberta going election or hockey or education news. Those are, <laughs> or, or Lord of the Rings memes. Those yeah, are all always Lord of the Rings memes. Um, <laughs> uh, or you can, for $5 request a topic. If you'd like, Hey, this revel, Hey, um, You've been you've gone like too many weeks in a row doing the book of Revelation. Let's disrupt that. You know, you, <laughs> if you want to do that, you could do that for five dollars. Um, and um, and of course, uh, because we haven't plugged this for a while, if you want to comment, you can comment or you can send us an email at anarchistbiblestudygmail.com unless uh, you're going to argue that um that the only the only way you could have famine in the land is if the antichrist has controlled this the food supply and is himself calling the shots if that's the only interpretation of this passage we have a special email for you and that email is uh mao.zedong at uh china.gov yes yes cuz that's yes all right but <laughs> that's right most importantly though make sure you get right back here next week when we take anarchy to church here on the anarchist bible study grace and peace grace and peace